Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Ve salatu ve selamu alel mev'uthi rahmeten lil alemin. Ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve baraka ve selleme teslimin kathiran ila yevmiddin. Amma ba'd. İbn-i Ataillah says, لَوْ أَنَّكَ لَا تَصِلُ إِلَيْهِ إِلَّا بَعْدَ فَنَاءِ مَسَاوِيكَ وَمَحْوِ دَعَاوِيكَ لَمْ تَصِلْ إِلَيْهِ أَبَدًا وَلَكِنْ إِذَا أَرَادَ أَنْ يُصِلَكَ إِلَيْهِ سَتَرَ وَصْفَكَ بِوَصْفِهِ وَغَطَّى نَعْتَكَ بِنَعْتِهِ فَوَصَلَكَ إِلَيْهِ بِمَا مِنْهُ إِلَيْكَ لَا بِمَا مِنْكَ إِلَيْهِ This aphorism gives us a lot of hope insha'Allah. It gives us a lot of hope because as you'll see it gives us an understanding of it gives us an understanding of the purpose that we're looking for. Generally for us, we generally think that to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we must think that way, we need effort. We need effort to attract the attention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he gives us a quick pass in. So I think the conclusion of this is that the effort is needed from our side first, generally speaking. And then the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes in. His fadl is always there, but it comes even more afterwards. So he says, if you are to be united with him, meaning if you are to reach him, this is the, his translation of usul. Usul. I personally wouldn't like, I mean I personally don't think that's the best translation because it gives other connotations. But the idea is that if a person wants to recognize Allah, Reaching Allah means recognizing Him. It being totally solidified in one's heart. That's what ma'rifah means. Ma'rifah means I am utterly and fully convinced that I am nothing and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everything and that's my reality. When you break through the barriers of all of the murkiness of the dunya and our perceptions and thought and everything else and you reach that state, that's what you call wusul. So he calls it uniting. Anyway, if we were to if you were to be united with him only after the extinction of your vices, after you've removed all of your vices and the effacement of your pretensions, then you would never be united with him. If we had to wait until every vice in us and every weakness and every pretense that we have is to be removed and we have to work hard for that, then we would never be united with him. Instead, when he wants to unite you to himself, he covers your attribute with his attribute, hides your quality with his quality, and thus he unites you to himself by virtue of what comes from him to you. What comes from him to you, not by virtue of what goes from you to him. So at the end of the day, it's right from the beginning. So right from the beginning it is his grace. But then that grace becomes even more manifest afterwards. So Ibn Atta'illah was saying, if you were to be united with him only after the extinction of your vices and the effacement of your pretensions, you would never be united with him. Instead, when he wants to unite you to himself, he covers your attributes with his attribute and hides your quality with his quality. And thus he unites you to himself by virtue of what comes from him to you, not by virtue of what goes from you 
to him. So the whole aspect here that's under discussion is the wusul. How is wusul attained? And I said that this sounds very promising uh, because it tells us that it's not just a struggle on our part. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. At the end of the day, how do you quantify our struggle? When is that point after which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, okay, khalas? What is that point after which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, okay, now I will bring you to me? Do you understand? So it's a struggle for us. We have to struggle and struggle and struggle until that happens. And even after that, it's a, we have to continue our efforts and our struggle. But then after that, it will things become different. Because now you're doing it with full recognition and the conviction is stronger. And the love is there. So everything becomes easier afterwards. Al-wusul ilallah. What is wusul ilallah? We hear this all the time. It's the main feature of this path. Al-wusul ilallah. That's what we're all hoping for. And if you didn't know that, then... Now you know that's the, that's, the, that, that's the maqsad of this path. To become better people, but the whole point of it is to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before we have to stand in front of Him in the hereafter. So to think that we can stand in front of Him in this world and that becomes a reality for us before we have to physically stand before Him in the hereafter and to answer for everything that's, that we've done. So al-wusul ilallah wal ilmu bihi wa bi-ihatatihi Wusul ilallah is the knowledge of Allah the knowledge of Allah and what He encompasses. To recognize full well what Allah is master of. Such bihaythu yafna man lam yakun. In such that everything that is not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes oblivious in our eyes. Our gaze doesn't turn to them at all. They're there. They're, we're interacting with them. But in terms of our feeling in our heart of what we get and where our uh, resources coming from it doesn't apply at all and the one who will endure forever which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he remains in our in our sight only and this cannot happen this can only happen when a person has fully subdued the self fully subdued the self and when a, put, a person puts his head down and succumbs and is is is humble, not a person who is arrogant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, In Allah ashtara min al mu'minina anfusahum wa amwalahum bi anna lahum al jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purchased from the believers their nufus, their souls, and their wealth, and their wealth in lieu of jannah. Because for them in Reward in return is Jannah. So that underscores this entire thing. That we've sold ourselves anyway. We've sold our wealth, anything that we have. Ourselves and our wealth, what's left? So we've sold that. So what we get in return is Jannah. But Jannah you get in the hereafter. That's the Jannatul Akhirah. But then there must be something you get in this world for it. So the Jannah of this world is Jannatul Ma'rifah. Jannatul Ma'arif. The paradise of this recognition, of this knowledge, of this gnosis. And this is for the people who do the jihad al-akbar, the, the greater jihad. Because this jihad is with us all the time, not only on the battlefield. This jihad is every time when we're eating, when we're sleeping, when we're thinking, this jihad continues to take place. 
which is the jihad against the nafs. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, Mutu qabla an tamutu. Die before you die. And obviously, the two deaths that are indicated here refer to two different types of deaths. The second one refers to the mortal death, that before you actually die a mortal death, die a, the death of pleasures and those type, that type of death, so that your other death becomes easier for you. In the Lata'iful Minan, Ibn Ata'illah says, Allah, you can only enter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from two through two doors. One is Al Mawtul Akbar, which is the physical death that we die, the mortal death that we die. That's the bigger death, that's well known. The second death is Al Mawtul Ladi Tu'inuhu Hadihi Ta'ifa. It's the one which this group of Sufis, this group of the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you attain, which is Mawt al Nufus. Another great wali of Allah says, "In turid waslana famautuka shartun, layyanal al wisala man fihi fadlahu." If you want to reach us, your mot is a condition. Your death is a condition. Anybody who has a remainder of that, of the nufus, etc., will never attain it. Another statement says, لا يصل الولي إلى الله تعالى ومعه شهوة من شهواته أو تدبير من تدبيراته وإختيار من اختياراته. A person, a wali, does not get to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala while he still has some of his personal lowly desires remaining, or any of his own strategies remaining. Or any of his own choices remaining. So it's essentially suck, uh, uh, totally giving yourself up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, think about it. How can you reach a status when you have no ikhtiyar? When you have no choice of your own left? When you've succumbed fully? How can you reach that yourself? Understanding the nature of the human being. This kind of tasfiyah, this kind of purification, this kind of status is pretty much impossible to reach with one's own efforts. That's what he's trying to get at in this whole thing. This can only come from inayah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This can only come as a gift and a benevolence from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if Allah, uh, if a person is, if, if, if a person cannot reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without erasing all of their traits of this nature, then He, will, he would never be able to reach. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, due to His benevolence, His honor, His generosity, has decided for certain people, and this has all been decided already, that He will shorten their way for them. He will actually give them this gift, despite the fact that they don't have the ability. So it's almost as if nobody is going to really get to the, nobody is really going to be competent fully by themselves but we're going to fast track a number of people because that's the only way to do this we've realized that Allah knew I'm just saying from a worldly perspective we've realized nobody's going to be able to finish this course so we're just going to fast track certain people based on what we see of their efforts or our decision based on that
So what happens then is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala illuminates the path for certain individuals like that. And then a person suddenly becomes oblivious to these things that attract him and that don't allow him to fully purify himself. In that state then, a person then becomes purified from his evil self. And the wusul then takes place. Because it's almost as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has flung the door open and sent a car out to bring you in. A special convoy out to bring you in. Now of course for that, a person will then reach a stage when a person doesn't feel that he himself or she himself has any ability over their themselves in terms of making the choice it, things will become easier for them to make the right choices because they will be fully mustagharak in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ahkam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will dominate for them they will go with the ahkam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants then to see from us is sitqut talab. That means truly seeking Him. A true effort on our part. A true desire. A true desire. So you sit down for muraqaba. You sit down for your dhikr. Sleep is overcoming you. But you carry on through that sleep. You just keep carrying on. You try to engage yourself. That's the struggle Allah wants to show, wants to see from us. What happens with most of us is that when that happens, we feel, what's the point of this? Let's go to sleep. That's the shaitan's deception. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of the day is looking at us from our perspective, which is, okay, what is he or she trying to do in the circumstances that they have? So if you find that the best time for your dhikr is after fajr, which generally is the best because... Fajr is that time. Fajr and Asr, they're both the best times for it, but Asr is very difficult. Asr is very difficult for most of us. Because Asr is a very busy time, generally speaking. It's either 3 o'clock in the afternoon for us, or it's uh, dinner time for us. So Asr is a very busy time. The people who can do dhikr after Asr are really committed. It's easier to do Fajr than after Asr. For most people. For most people. Except maybe in certain times of the year. The reason after Fajr is easier is because we're generally at home. It is, it's, it's easier, but it's still difficult because you're fighting sleep at that time. But it's something you have more control over. With Asr, you don't know where you're going to be at that time. You generally engage with something. People want you to do something or you have to do something for someone. If it's women, they may have to be cooking or they may have to be eating at that time. Or something else of that nature. Or picking their children up from school if it's in the summer, if it's in the winter. So, after Fajr is a time when if you make a habit, you can do it because you have to wake up for Fajr. Or between Tahajjud and Fajr is another one. So that's a more, it's a difficult time in a sense, but it's easy in the sense that you you only have your own self and your own sleep to contend with you don't have other people and other demands to contend with so let's just say that that's the time that you've made for your dhikr now 
sometimes are probably going to be better than other times. You feel you'll feel sleepy in sometimes more than other times. But mashallah, you manage to pull yourself through and you do your half an hour, one hour of dhikr at that time. Then that's what Allah is looking at. Have you made a, an effort? Have you set a time? And in that time, despite the fact that sleep is coming, the, this call of nature, all of these things, demands are happening, you're still trying your best, you're not giving up. Because what you're looking at is, I understand Allah. You see, only the person who understands Allah will know that He gives on efforts, not on the form. So that should be in our mind when we're doing the dhikr as well. Of course, if we're doing dhikr and we're not concentrating at all, and we're just sitting there using that time to think and plan our day, then of course that's a problem. But if we're really trying to concentrate our heart, then it happens. Most people, they complain about their dhikr that I don't get the concentration. If you really sit focused for, it takes a while they say, but if you sit focused for three, four weeks, it will have to come. It will come. Because what happens is that because this dhikr is a difficult dhikr in a sense, you have to kind of find the right spot. You have to kind of find the right balance where you're away from your thoughts and everything else and you are focused on the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A lot of the time people go through many complications in the sense of what do I think about? They, sh- they think they should fe- think about Allah. You can't think about Allah right now. We, we have no access to Him. We don't know Him enough to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the whole point here is to isma rabbik. isma rabbik. Just think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, uh, so the, the whole idea of the nur coming down and that is to just get us into that mode that it's coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My heart is being cleaned up and I'm saying Allah, Allah. Uh, another thing which is very effective is uh, to imagine that a board is on your heart and you've written on there Allah. And then you're just taking the name and there's an emanation from that board that's coming out. Allah, Allah, Allah. That works very well as well. So different mashayikh uh, within the Naqshbandiya have these different ways of helping people focus. Some people use tasbih, the banging of a tasbih, just to get in sync. Allah, Allah, Allah, like that. So the whole point of using why there are many ways is because that's not the objective. That's just the means for us to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when a heart takes enough the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, things will open up for them. It's about concentration. This is the rules of meditation. In any religion, there will be meditation, which they use to get to some other weird situations. Selflessness and this feeling of this and that, and you know, whatever the case is. So we're just helping ourselves get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we're so corrupt, we're so unpurified. So if a person takes the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enough, then it will become easier. But that's the struggle. If it was so easy, everybody would be doing it. If it was that you could sit down and just close everything out and just do it, everybody would be doing it. But the reason why it's not that easy is because it's a very very valuable thing that we're getting to do dhikr in that concentrated way with the heart. But the, the main thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give on our effort. So we have to just show our effort. Shaykh al-Zarruq mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
when he wishes to bestow something on a servant, he will veil your poverty, your need, with his enrichment. So you will become rich by way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your our physical poverty will be nothing then. Because we will be enriched by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our humiliation, our lowliness, degradation will be veiled by the honor and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are His now. So we benefit from Him. We benefit from all of these aspects of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our inabilities will be veiled by the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our weakness will be veiled by His strength. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make you witness these things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make you witness these things. He will make you witness what is coming from Him to you. And you will start seeing the bounties of that. You will be then less focused of what you are doing for, you have to do for Him and your efforts. You'll still be doing them, but now you will bask in the, in the light of His tawfiq. Now, this is essentially another way of saying the hadith of Rasulullah that when a person comes close enough to me, uh, he cannot come close to me except by fulfilling the fara'id. So we cannot have any excuses with the fara'id. That's absolute basic condition. Once a person is fulfilling the fara'id, then it says that then he gets closer and closer to me by fulfilling the nawafil, the, ob, uh, the optional aspects. Until I become the eyes which, which he sees and the ears which with, with which he hears and the hands by which he touches and so on. Essentially the tawfiq, exactly what he's saying. So now your reaching him has been through virtue of his enabling you and not through your own efforts at the end of it. Somebody has given an example of the nafs says the nafs is like a charcoal. Every time you wash that charcoal with even soap, what's going to happen? It's only going to become more shinier. It's only going to become more black. It's only going to become darker. If you kindle it with fire, you blow on it, Then after that, that darkness will disappear. Now it becomes blazing, it becomes illuminated. So you try to wash it, nothing happens, but when you kindle it with fire, then this is what happens. Likewise, when it comes to the human traits and the human heart, once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts the ruhani nur on it, it will cover. So you know when the fire is kindling, uh, when, the, when you've kindled that charcoal with fire, it's still black inside, but it doesn't look black anymore. It's blazing now, subhanAllah. It's totally changed color. From that dark black, it's become bright. It's still black inside though, but now it's a different thing altogether. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ruhani nur comes on the heart, the darkness of basharia, the darkness of our human traits, they will not have they will not be manifest anymore and this will become ruhani 
So what is this fire that's going to destroy these awsaf, destroy this outer darkness, this darkness from our, our, our hearts? It's going to be mukhalafatul hawa, opposing ourselves, opposing our desires. And, okay, that one we all conceptually understand. The next one is tahammulun nafs ma yathkulu alayha. By burdening the self, by making the self carry and do that which is difficult for it to do. This is generally where we fail. We manage to do the dhikr, we manage to do a few things, as long as it's within some level of convenience for us. As long as it's within some level of convenience for us. And, every, and our convenience is going to be as much as our inspiration. Right? The more inspired we are, the more we're likely to place an effort and to sacrifice other deeds to do this for. When we're less inspired, which is most of the time, we only get inspired when we hear a good talk or we have a special, some incident in our life or something of that nature. That's the problem. That must become more important to carry the burdens. Like, for example, staying in a, hum- uh, in a state of humility, staying in a state of need with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, never allowing arrogance to manifest, never allowing uh, a, a sense of full security that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to do anything for me, or always vulnerability in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, vulnerability in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that state to continue along with dhikru ismil mufrad, along with taking the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, doing dhikr of his name. That, all of that together. So as then, as this continues and a person's uh, bad traits start to disappear because of this constant state, then his ruhaniya will, will strengthen. Until that ruhaniya will overcome his bashariya, his spiritual state will overcome his material state. His desires will become more ruhani than bashariya. We already feel some of that when you're on the path. You already feel some of that you're on the path. But generally speaking, it happens and then it goes away. It happens and it goes away. It gives us some sense of consciousness, but it doesn't give it to us fully all the time. The only time that you'll get the full wusul is when our biggest shahawat totally disappear and are eliminated for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Shaykh Abdullah Gangohi mentions, he says the wusul or mushahada, witnessing described earlier, is attained when the ego becomes lifeless, when every evil quality and demand has been expelled from it, and it no longer has any motives or desires. It becomes like a lifeless person in the custody of a living person. So it's still there, but it's lifeless. The attainment of such a stage is beyond the ability of the servant on the basis of his own efforts. If Allah Most High has decreed that a servant can never reach him unless he kills his ego by means of his own efforts, then no one would have attained his proximity because evil is the natural propensity of the ego. When Allah wishes to favor a servant with his proximity, he illuminates the servant with the rays of his lofty attributes. The servant's attributes are then overshadowed and concealed. So this is what we have to understand. We may never be able to erase them, but we have to make them like a lifeless body because now they have become overshadowed by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The servant's attributes are then overshadowed and concealed. Thus the servant reaches Allah most high by virtue of divine grace and mercy. 
The servant does not attain wusul on the strength of his own actions and struggle. In fact, that is not possible. So along with all the efforts that we do, what is very important then from this? If it's the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we want, so what do we have to do on our behalf along with the efforts that we do to do his dhikr and so on? What is most important then between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What are we, do, what, what are we to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We have to make dua. That's why dua is extremely important. That's why they say after every time that you make your dhikr or you do any worship, it's a time of acceptance because you've just done something for Allah. Then ask Allah, oh Allah, my effort has probably only gotten me you know, this much. You take me the rest of the way. My efforts were weak. They were contaminated. They were adulterated. I probably didn't have enough concentration. Oh Allah, you accept it fully. You accept it like you would do from those you've chosen. Those are the kind of du'as we need to be making. With sincerity. Like with full understanding that, look, I haven't been able to do much. But oh Allah, I ask you to take the rest. Because it's dhikr, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and working on the self to subdue ourselves. Those are the three things that we're talking about here. The elimination of the natural despicable qualities of the ego does not occur Rather, these lowly attributes are overshadowed. They become overshadowed by the manifestation of the radiance of the divine attributes. Like that charcoal, it becomes illuminated. You can't see the darkness, though inside it is dark. If that illumination goes, if that fire is off, you will see that you, you wipe over, the, uh, you, you get rid of the white, the, the ashes, it will be black underneath it. Despite this, there is no escape from the right, from righteous action, struggle and purification for the servant since it is the divine custom that when the servant strives, he receives the grace of Allah Most High. The cause of attaining Allah's proximity is therefore not the traveler's effort but the grace of Allah. When, while the traveler should not relax in his performance of righteous struggles and uh, actions, his trust should be only on the grace of Allah Most High. If the traveller places his reliance on his deeds, then it will become an obstacle in his reaching the court of Allah, as the object is to rely on none other than him. When I finished Hajj, I went to visit the Shaykh. He was in Makkah at the time. And the nasiha that he gave was, look, thank Allah first that he's given you the ability to perform this Hajj. Because that's an absolute honour of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then do istighfar for all the shortcomings in it. What this tells you is that acceptance is from Him. And clearly we generally have shortcomings. And if He doesn't accept it fully, then who's going to accept it? Then all of our efforts have gone to vain. So let us ask Him. First thank Him. He likes shukr. And then ask Him to forgive us for our mistakes within. That's why we, uh, this is what Rasulullah taught us after each salat as well. We read the tasbihat, but we also do istighfar three times because of the mistakes we probably made inside salat. So that's with everything else. And especially when you do an, a concentrated effort like dhikr, sit down for dhikr, end it with a dua, especially duas of this nature. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam wa anka salam. Tabarakiyatul jalali wa ikram subhanallahi al-ali al-wahab. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. O oh Allah, <clears throat> we are your sinful servants. O oh Allah, we gathered here today to to worship you, to 
satisfy you. O oh Allah, we ask that you accept our gathering together. O oh Allah, we ask that you accept our dhikr, the meager dhikr that we do. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, you've created us for your worship. O oh Allah, what we only think about you, we only think of you at certain appointed times. O oh Allah, we ask that you give us the ni'mah of your remembrance of all times. That we constantly remember you in our hearts. O oh Allah, we ask that you give us this through your grace. O oh Allah, we ask that you give us the tawfiq to, to use more effort in this regard. O oh Allah, we have a certain number of years left in this world, which is nothing compared to the life of the hereafter. O oh Allah, we ask that you give us the tawfiq in this world to overcome our nafs, to overcome our nafs, to overcome our nafs and to reach you before we have to stand in front of you in the, in the hereafter. O oh Allah, we ask that you make this easy for us, this journey easy for us. O oh Allah, we ask that you make this easy for us, that you facilitate our surroundings and make them conducive for this effort. O oh Allah, that you remove the obstacles in our path and in our life. O oh Allah, whether the obstacles are in our mind or whether we have physical obstacles. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you give us tawfiq. That you give us the enablement to do this because this enablement can only come from you. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you make those us of those servants of yours who you are pleased with and satisfied with. Who you mention to the angels. Who you mention to the angels. O oh Allah, you make us worthy of being of that status. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the company of the pious and your love and the love of those who love you. O oh Allah, we ask that you make our hearts the way you want them to be. You make your obedience beloved in our heart and your disobedience hated in our heart. O oh Allah, we need your help. We need your assistance. We can't do this ourselves. O oh Allah, we keep trying and we fail. We keep trying and we fail. We, we stop short. O oh Allah, other, other desires overtake us. Other demands overtake us oh allah oh allah allow us to sacrifice nothing oh allah allow us to allow us to sacrifice everything for you allow us to sacrifice everything for you oh allah accept our duas accept this gathering accept this majlis and oh allah make this a majlis that you are satisfied with forgive us our weaknesses our problems our defects our wrongs oh allah we've committed many wrongs many harams many problems many sins Oh Allah, we ask that you strengthen us despite our weakness. You strengthen us despite our weakness. You pull us by the forelocks and put us on the path to Jannah, on the path to your satisfaction. Oh Allah, grant us Jannatul Firdaus. Oh Allah, grant us the company of your Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Oh Allah, we ask that you help us to overcome our personal demons, our personal our personal problems in our life, our issues with our life, our demand, our challenges, our fitness, our, our, our problems that we have. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us and our children until the day of judgment from all the forms of evil that are out there. Oh Allah, and we ask that you make the best time of our life the time that we stand in front of you. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun alil mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa rahmatika.